Hey guys, I just had one of the most amazing conversations with a dear friend of mine uh, who's also the founder of Booker Workshop, Nidhi Agarwal. She's one of the inspirations for me to create Connecting the Dots. We covered topics right from opportunities during COVID to how she got inspired to start Booker Workshop to kombucha for some reason, importance of mentors to importance of finding the right set of people who can help you scale and many, many more. Let's jump into it and do not forget to subscribe. Nidhi, the way we met, I think, was extremely uh, serendipitous. <laughs> and every time I've met you or spoken to you after that, uh, you have always, after the conversation, you've always done something which inspired me to actually name this show, which is called Connecting the Dots. So, uh, you know, thank you so much for that. So, before we get into what you're currently doing, tell me about your past life before Booker Workshop. Well, it's been a very fun life that I might admit. <laughs> uh, it's been very, very dangerous for my parents because mm. more than me, I think it's been a crazy roller coaster ride for them because mm. they saw me as a kid who wanted to be an architect mm. and overnight flipped, said that, you know what, this is not, um, it's not something I'm going to do because mm. um, spoke to an architect and the guy was like, uh, you know what, so my, my basic question to him or to anybody was, how much time will it take for me to start a business? Because mm. that's something that I've been wanting to do since the age of six, mm -hmm. quite literally, mm -hmm. with my Nimupani Thela. <laughs> nice. At the age of six, you had a Nimupani Thela? Yes, I had a Nimupani oh, Thela. Wow. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. Yep. And, and my mother would very kindly send all the drivers with five rupees mm. to come and purchase those Nimupani from me. Nice. So you had like three customers. <laughs> I did. Uh, and, and then the Thela started growing. So I also part time employed my chef to come help me out in the evenings. Nice. Um, and yeah, then, then I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> That's why there's no Nimbu Pani, like big Nimbu Pani, yeah, the size of raw. There's no Miss Nimbu Pani uh, come have kind of thing. Nice. But um, So I, I started my journey off uh, on a slightly confusing note where I asked the architect, I'm like, how much time is it going to take me to start my business? And the guy goes like, it's going to take you a minimum of 15 years to get there in architecture. Oh, and like, I'm like, you no, know what? This is not happening. This is no. not happening. Let's mm -hmm. just dump this right mm -hmm. away. But luckily, my parents were understanding enough. I gave them a whole presentation, you know, uh, about why this is not right for me. What is right for me? What are the things I like? And then uh, within a span of 30 minutes, I figured out I want to do BMM and got into like Mithibai, mm. did the whole thing. I uh, was I was on this path of like art though because I, I've always been like a big fan mm. of art experiences anything. I happened to join this course in New York which changed my worldview completely. It was one of these Satabi courses which mm. teaches you uh, art in the business world and like business in the art world. So they teach you all different kinds of businesses mm. and aspects. Mm. Came back to India and I'm like you know what. India needs this. India oh. needs an art business program. <laughs> nice, nice. So um, I started a company, my first company called Fitur when I was 17 and a half nice. with really big ambitions. Um, and uh, it, it was supposed to be an artist promotion platform. Mm -hmm. So imagine a LinkedIn for artists, nice. right? Where they could post their stuff, people could buy from them, people could commission them to do their artwork. Uh, made the whole app, but could never fly because again, 17 year old, right? With no tech knowledge per se um, and no money, almost no <laughs> money. <laughs> so uh, from there, I mean, I kind of dumped the whole idea mm. of the art promotion and became a promotion company, mm. which used a lot of artists because art promotion does not make money in India. So I was like, yeah, paisa to banana. The first rule of, of business needs of course, to make money. Um, so from a promotion, I mean, Promotion made, it started becoming more of an agency where we did a lot of ad stuff for people. I also come, I, I did a lot of filmmaking, acting, photography back in the day. All came handy. Uh, but something was missing. Even after like two years of being like a great promotion company, employing a lot of artists to do a lot of different kind of work. We had some 50 odd clients when I was 21. Wow. Uh, great life, right? Like. I mean, you were literally as a 21 year old going to all these parties, meeting celebrities, meeting the YRF guys, this, that, super fun stuff. But again, I mean, I was just sitting in one of these meetings. I was pitching same pitch over and over, same accounts over and over, same stuff. And I was just like, what kind of an impact am I even creating, right? Every third building today in Bombay has some kind of a agency right there waiting for, you know, the ball to drop or waiting for a slightly lesser price or whatever. 
I was just like, this is not happening. So I just, within a month, I shut down my company. I gave away my clients to all my friends who were, you know, running a similar business and literally left for New York <laughs> all over again. Nice. <laughs> so I think New York has been very pivotal in my life mm-hmm. till date. Mm-hmm. Uh, went there with no agenda. I was just roaming the streets every day trying to find my inspiration. And uh, I'm originally from Nasik. So okay. from New York, I went back to Nasik, shut shop in Bombay. And I was like, you know what, let me just figure something out. My parents own a couple of schools there. So the only thing I knew to do is marketing. I joined the school as a marketing mm. head trying to do that. And uh, what happened then is I was the last one leaving the school. So every day at 5 p.m. the school would be deserted. Mm. And this is this is close to 1 lakh plus square feet wow. of built up campus space. Mm-hmm. It was Imagine. just empty every evening. Yeah. It just, just become empty. And, and you would see waste, right? Yeah. That's why every time I see spaces that I'm like, what the hell? Why aren't you people doing something in this space? They're like, oh. so. exactly my point. I was like, what is wrong with us? Why are we not using this? So um, I started this thing called Wiz After Us, which is WHI as being Wisdom International School. So Wiz After Us, where uh, we started this learning center for all ages, nice. so literally zero to ninety-nine. Whoever would want to come and learn. And within six months, we were at about nine hundred people. Not kids, but people coming in. Uh Uh, We had 50 odd classes running parallelly, everything from art and craft to music, uh, like some gardening class, dance classes, sports classes, everything under the sun. Just not tuitions, just everything (laughs) non-academic. Except (laughs) non-academic. And uh, 900 people signed up. We started doing... um, a lot of uh, these weekend workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had sometimes we had like four to five workshops happening. Mm-hmm. We uh, then I wanted to start these training centers as well for you know continued mm-hmm. education, mm-hmm. distance learning. Mm-hmm. So we tied up with ISDI, we tied up with SPGen and uh, Shankar Mahadevan mm-hmm. School of Music. Mm-hmm. All of these guys were supposed to come down to Nasik, set up shops with us in our campus, mm-hmm. and COVID hit. <laughs> of course, the now, big C. Yeah, <laughs> the the big C and. Um, I think for the first three months, I mean, it was like a really bad, uh, depressing phase because the major thing that I had to offer was space, right? Uh, but now because everything went online, I mean, I couldn't control the space anymore. But I had access to a lot of people because of all of the things that we did from my previous experiences and also TEDx because I also like hosted a couple of TEDx's in mm-hmm. Nasik. Um, so we just, we did this thing called Nugget Learning mm. where we went on Facebook, we went live on Facebook for 15 minutes. And taught a new thing every day for free with a new expert, just for 15 minutes. Nice. And we did 30 of these episodes. So the first episode had like about 1000 views, 2000 views. Uh, And then the last one had close to 50,000 people live. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? One sec, there's something there. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, what's happening here, right? Mm -hmm. so I I had this one random domain name, you know, you know this, you might have like a 50 of these random domain names just lying there. And I had one of these um, that I, I kind of like booked in Feb of 2020, that was bookerworkshop.in. Mm-hmm. And overnight, something clicked. I'm like, you know what, let's do something fun. I sat, made a Wix site, right, bookerworkshop.in. And uh, created this platform where people could come and book a workshop, quite literally, with all of these experts from around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we literally launched w- the the site in like a week. And the first workshop that we had was on the 31st of May. Uh, yeah, that 31st of May 2020, mm-hmm. where two people signed up. <laughs> whole two people came whole for it. Two people, they paid for it. Paid we are the website. <laughs> One of them was my friend though, sure. but one person was completely unknown and I was very, very proud of it. Uh, but as as the month went by, within within the first month, we had close to 50, 200 people signing up for workshops. Okay. Okay. We had almost uh, 10, 15 workshops happening every uh, week, mm-hmm. which was a fun number. Mm. And uh, in the first six months, we saw those numbers go up to about 5,000 people. Uh, you know, learners that we had garnered from over like 20 countries nice. because we had great experts and mm-hmm. people wanted to learn and mm-hmm. I mean, peak of COVID. So I was like, okay, this is really interesting. And then we just kept, you know, doing more and more. So within the first year of our existence, that is June 2020 to June uh, 2021, we did close to 15,000 learners wow. as a whole. Uh, 
we and all of these people were like from more than 200 300 cities a lot of them from about 20 30 different countries and that was like a really fun space to watch out for mm -hmm. and we started curating very very well because of my tedx experience i uh, was very used to curating mm -hmm. So with each workshop, hmm. I actually wanted to sit with the expert before, figure out what kind of content are they putting out. And not just be a portal where you could come and just, you know, Do whatever and just get out. Right. Book Kalia and then that's the end of the story. Hmm. So we sat with each expert. Hmm. We figured out how they're going to talk, what is going to be their opening, what is going to be their closing, how are they going to place their slides. For a lot of them, we actually even made the slides. We're like, you know what, even if you don't know it, it's fine. We will make it for you. We'll structure the whole thing out. And literally, light tech talks, we curated each workshop. I was about to say, this is like TEDx, <laughs> like TEDx, like, you know, TEDx experience for workshops. Yeah. Like, you, that's what you're doing. Quite literally. Because <laughs> it's so powerful. I mean, it's, it's brilliant the way they've structured out content. And we kind of like started to understand a lot mm. about content then. Mm. And then uh, my knowledge of... I'm just starting. My knowledge of content building and uh, filmmaking came in handy because I'm nice. like, now that code was opening up a little bit, people did not have the time to sit down at that one particular time and watch it. So with a few like really renowned experts, we knew like Achut Palav, who is like a master calligrapher from India. We started our first workshop on demand series, which is like a Netflix style workshop nice. thing with episodes, very well shot and like pretty much like great content. So filmmaking content, everything kind of came in handy. That started doing very well. I mean, that started flying off the shelf. But again, we hit a big snag when things opened up. Mm. And now nobody wanted to sit in front of a computer anymore. <laughs> so COVID is, took away an opportunity, created an opportunity. Yeah. But when it stopped, it took that opportunity away as well. Right? It's, just, it's insane. That's insane. Then what happened? And then um, I was at that place where I'm like, should I shut this down? Because I mean, the numbers dropped massively massively like from let's say when we were let's say we were doing 10 we were down to almost two wow. for anything okay. even one sometimes okay and i'm like this is not working out we've hired people we've got this we've got that going we have a tech mm. team we have this i mean i'll either have to like shut down the company or think of something new mm. and um, one of our last workshops which did very well was a ganpati workshop I mean, yeah, I, how do you make your own Ganpati? Yeah, how to make your own Ganpati nice. at home with nice. Shadu Mati, which ah. is this yeah. you know eco-friendly clay. Yeah. Um, so for that workshop, people who get, did not get access to Shadu Mati, and we did. So what we did is we created a box, and we sent that. Ah. That was a flipping point for us. I can see the origins yeah. of book, book workshop forming there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so that was the was it the flip that the switch moment? One of that wasn't actually okay. But, but uh, what was is the fact that after that workshop, after that workshop and that box did really well, uh, what happened is we started onboarding a lot of products on board. Mm. We started collaborating, got became like a marketplace for these DIY kits. But we couldn't control quality because mm. again, we were like the e-com bit, right? And I mean, my parents have spent too much time in education for me to just be like, ha, okay, chalta hai. Uh, and they've ingrained that in both me and my siblings. So I was just like, nah, yaar, this is not the kind of experience we want to give. So uh, that was actually the turning point where everybody in the market couldn't give me what I wanted as a person, what mm. my, by, mm. what I would want for my, you know, people, my learners. So we started developing like a few in-house, very scared. I'm like, okay, we, because I've never done product ever. Uh, both, I mean, my parents have been service people forever. They've done, like, they've been very big in the services industries. Uh, I have never done a uh, product before. And mm. This was like my first thing in the product. I'm like, okay, let's make a small one. So we created these two, three products. Um, didn't know jack about products. And they <laughs> failed miserably because they were very generic. Mm -hmm. But then we started, uh, then I just happened to have this conversation with a friend of mine who was working at Urban Plateau. Mm. And I went over for a chat. I'm like, what do you guys do? Da, da, da. And um, we came up with the idea of creating a sushi box together. That was the first big flip for Booker Workshop when we created our first sushi kit. Because, I mean, that was new. That was fresh. That was just something that did not exist in the market at that point of time mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that pricing, at that uh, everything, I still thank Urban Platter, Charag Bhai and my friend Jay at at uh, Open Platter every day because that was the literal like that pivot moment for us. We picked that up and we figured that nobody wants to sit at a specific mm. time and watch it. Mm. So we started using the videos, creating beautiful videos, putting them in the kit as a QR code and 
And I mean, um, today we're at 101 kids. So Wow, 101 <laughs> kids. My God. And uh, Urban, I'm very uh, glad you water Urban Platter. I saw uh, an update from Danish. Okay. Your husband. And which is on Urban Platter Workshop on Japanese cuisine tomorrow. Yeah. Which I'm going for. Oh, so small world, I don't know you were in Danish there, but I think that would be, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> small world, right? And I've had Chirag uh, come for one of my other uh, podcasts called Breaking the Ceiling. Oh, Chirag was oh. at, uh, such a gracious guy. I was telling him about, hey, I'm planning to do the food founders dinner. Right. And here he said, boss, you don't worry about food. I will get two of my chefs. One platter will take care of all the food. And you actually don't worry about food at all because you're calling all food founders. Yeah. Everyone's going to bring their food. So I'm yeah. like, then what? You're going to use my space. He's like, no, no, Daru to there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's an amazing, amazing guy. So before we go to the next question, yes. uh, we have a couple of things for you to try. This Thank is uh, a cola, which is, I think you'll be able to explain better what this is by Mosant. Is it a kombucha cola? It's a kombucha, kombucha cola. cola. So I think we should definitely taste it and yeah. see how that goes. Wow. This is insanely good. Wow. So I, I met uh, the Mosan team at the vegan uh, festival uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago. And uh, me and my daughter, we tried almost every flavor they had. Insane, insanely, insanely good. I'm like, boss, we have to have these guys, you know, like we have to taste this and thank you for this. This, this is, is brilliant. Yeah, this absolutely is really brilliant. Good. I mean, and I did not have this before. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, when, you, when I saw kombucha cola, I was like, oh, I, I honestly exactly. wasn't sure what to expect, but. This one kind of blew me out of the water. They've done a really good job. Like, so I've been trying uh, different kombuchas out for two years. I'm very, very like young at the kombucha thing. Uh, but every time I've had it, I mean, I've you know, it's like when you first have your beers hmm. and um, it's it's got that kind of a vibe. So I wasn't like always like a big fan, but I'm like, it's nice for gut health. Yeah, hmm. hmm. great stuff. Hmm. Trying a new product out. But these guys are actually tasty. That's what I like about Mosant. Um. I might not know the technicalities, but... They're tasty. <laughs> so, end of the day, finally, what's going to work is if it tastes good. You can explain all the gut, this, gut, that. How many people have career life every day? It's very good for you. Nobody's going to have it. It's very, very good for you. Nobody's going to have it, right? Wheat grass, again, very good for you. How many people are having it every day? Very, very few. I think if you're able to do something that's healthy and tasty, then you've actually hit a, you know, a, a very unique combo. Tell me, what is the unique combination that you think you've hit at Booker Workshop that is making it successful? I think one of the most unique things that we've been able to achieve, um, I think I call it sheer luck, but is the <laughs> <laughs> Like we've been able to get luck pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've I, gotten that down. <laughs> I swear, I, I think we've been very lucky, like touch wood. Mm. Uh, because I think the team is one of the biggest assets at Booker Workshop, because almost 90, 99% of us are non-product, mm. come from all different streams of life. Mm. But everybody has just happened to book a workshop, quite literally. Like these are people that we we were not even looking for, and they happened. Mm. Like the the funniest thing was Ashwin that when we were scaling up, right, the first six months where we were only focusing on the DIY kit, we were on the back end. I mean, on the front end, we were like, oh my god, we're the best. But in the back end, I mean, everybody knows, right, what happens. Exactly. And we were an operational nightmare because we were literally four people. Mm-hmm trying to handle massive orders with no product knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And then um, I was like, oh my God, we need like an ops guy now. We need somebody who can like head the ops team, not be in the 20 something range and um, be like, you know, the responsible guy. And I was just thinking about it. I was thinking, 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 speaking to people, thinking. And uh, my uh, my caretaker, my nanny, <laughs> she actually came up to me and she's like, I have this one guy. And uh, I know him from this place, very learned guy, very this. Her, his wife and I are friends because we go to the bank together mm. and she helps me out a lot. And he's in, he, he wants to you know, get a job. Maybe we can get him a job at the school mm. or something. Can you speak to him? I spoke to him. The guy turned out to be really good. I'm like, sir, can you come down for mm. an interview? He said, uh, I never asked his age. And he came down and this 150-year-old guy turns up at my door. And at this point of time, we didn't even have an office. We were working out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, some random dude is coming in. But I was like, okay, you know what? 
let's have a chat and i spoke to him and we had a whole conversation for about half an hour he's like i have researched about book a workshop i saw everything i love it i love what you guys do i love this kid i love that kid i think we should do this we should do that nice. i was so excited i'm like oh my god this guy is almost as excited as i am and uh, we hired him literally over chai and mm. sitting at my dining table and today he handles a team of about six people under him wow 50 year old guy and he is so passionate about learning about art there are so many of these videos that we just shot where he's done everything like he's the expert coming <laughs> in and teaching so he knows everything from crochet mm. to um painting to crafts wow. to uh, like you know sculpting things with like his bare hands so he's an artist he is but when you are doing something in an art space even with the operational side of it if you have an artist who understands the core i mean that's it like he understands the pains he understands hey me as a customer what would i want as an experience exactly and that's invaluable exactly and yeah. he makes it happen like you speak to him ashwin the way he speak to you like he's one of the most calmest people like all of us are like rabbits <laughs> in the office like we're all over the place all the time right and then there's this one guy who's like super zen centered sitting there and um, he like calm all of us down any problem we go to him and he like solve it nice. right so all of these kind of people have just happened to us nice and so he has been heading so he he comes from like a completely non art space right uh, for 30 years of his life he was actually helping a company uh, overlook he was a project manager for a company who was putting in wifi lines mm. Hmm. that was his job right and then when he came here he's like i am finally excited about life nice i'd book a workshop and that is something that like is this is this so beautiful so so one of my um, sales teammates he's been with us now 5 plus 5 6 years uh, every year we do a video on culture at equinox and so on and so forth and he gave this one line which is at the end of that video from i think 2 years ago he said my parents gave me my name but equinox gave me my identity And wow. I think, like, I I don't think I've ever teared up in my <laughs> life when I heard that. I was like, boss, I think we've done something right when somebody says that the company is giving me identity. Right? I think that's a very powerful thing to do. How important is culture at Booker Workshop? Extremely. I think the whole company is it's run by culture, not money. I think most of us, and all of us, in fact, from from the packers to like everybody on top. Hmm. everybody is so so passionate about everything that they do and the culture that we've built at the company and they want to preserve it mm. like there are days ashwin where we have down everybody has down days right we're like theek hai sab kaam ho gaya everyone's just chilling sitting and somebody will pick up some kit or somebody will pick up some saman that's just lying there from mm. some shoot or some mm. this thing and they're like chalo kuch karte hain mm. and some koi keychain bana raha hai koi mm. kuch bana raha hai nice. somebody is like making something with clay somebody is trying something new out so our product team is very strong but everybody else is also equally strong i think they equally passionate like yeah. i mean like playing with your own product in when there's like downtime <laughs> and it's not work yeah. shows you that you're aligned with your passion i agree right? and uh, i think one very important aspect of uh, what preserves our culture at booker workshop it has been our lunch time mm. so all of us even if we have super busy days we'll all sit together on the same long table nice everybody nice. sits together has lunch together Lovely. has a great time speaking to each other how was your weekend what's happening huh. they'll so we'll ask each other for ideas so i'll like ask one of the packers ki what do you think about this kit how mm. would you do this differently mm. or what kind of kit mm. would you imagine you know doing mm. Or just random things like we're just making fun of each other and having like fun. And uh, somebody will get some bhaji in the tiffin, and they'll be like, "This is what I got," and they'll get for everybody. Somebody <laughs> will get something else, and they'll be like, "This is what my wife made," or something, you know, for everyone. And those thirty minutes, I think, they just strengthen us as a team, strengthen absolutely, our culture. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so that is something I honestly miss now. So when I started Equinox, we were all in one room. Right. we could do this right then when we grow a little bigger we have two rooms to but still arrange to come to one room for lunch but today like there are 1000 plus people wow. there are times i go into my office the other day i went to my tech team so i normally take the reviews online or right. see the demos on the phone and uh, online correct i went to my tech team i couldn't recognize half the people i'm like <laughs> who's this when did this person join when they all joined recently in the last couple of months but was i, I was actually feeling so bad that i told hr i think we have to fix this because in the last maybe 2 3 years i've removed myself from the interview process otherwise till 2 3 years ago every single econoxen i've personally interviewed wow but then i became the bottleneck mm. 
interviews were getting delayed because I was busy, I was out for meetings or something that way. And then I'm, by then my team, I think my uh, one level below had, I think, mastered the art of finding good talent, which is insane because end of the day, you're going to be as good as you are, as you say, weakest link. And for us, it's culture is the weakest thing, not the uh, operations or not the you know, outcome. Culturally, we started finding good people. My team could identify them without me being involved, which I said, oh, fantastic. I said, now it's time for me to step out. You guys, you know, because at the end of the day, if the person's going to join your team and you know how to find a good person, I'm not adding any value. I hire directly. But the downside of that is, many new people who join, I don't know them. Yeah. Like suddenly I go to office and I'm like, who's this? And it's <laughs> online and I see like, who's this guy? Like, so, but uh, I, I definitely miss the days where I could have that lunch with everybody, know everybody's everything, like all stories. Yeah. Right. So, uh, uh, another thing at Equinox is we follow a very open culture. People can come and tell you anything. Like, a uh, few days ago, I was talking about what are signs of a great work culture. Yeah. I think one of the first signs is if you have to lie about yeah. why you're taking a leave. Yeah. There's something wrong. Not right. with you, with the work culture that you're in, right? I've had people come and tell me things like, my girlfriend is visiting after a month. I want to spend two days. I'm like, why two days? I take a third day. Go here, do this, do this. We've like sat and planned itineraries. Kya karna hai? Pe leke jana hai? People have told me a mother-in-law is not or whatever. The idea is you shouldn't have to lie about it. You Correct. have to be open. You have to be empathetic. Like at this moment, uh, one of my teammates' mother is in ICU. Okay. Somebody else's kid is in the hospital. Whatever. But I think it's important to understand, share, uh, give them the space, give them the support. Because end of the day, people do so much for the organization over and above the work hours or work time or whatever is their JD. Mm. As a, a founder, you have to go outside your zone as well, right? right? And as a company, you have to do as much as you can. Uh, when you started Booker Workshop, what was your vision for it? What was your vision? Like, what did you want to create? I think um, taking re-inspiration from the title of this, you know, I mean, series, um, I, I actually kept thinking, you know, mm. Ashwin, there was a point in my life where I was like, I'm going to get to your question, but I just want to say this, that there's a point in my life where I'm like, you know, what am I doing? Mm. My, Because uh, I'm like constantly switching things. Mm. I'm just doing mm. this, doing that. Sometimes I'm doing this, sometimes I'm doing that. What am I trying to do here? Mm. And I wanted to find that one through line, you know. So when, again, TED Talk, mein, uh, they tell you that you need to find this one through line, mm. which is the basis of your talk. Mm. Everything in your talk, needs to be supportive or directly informative about that through line. So like, what is my through line here? Like, what the hell am I trying to do? Kabhi main art karti ho, kabhi main marketing karti ho, kabhi main kuch kar rahi ho. And um, it all boiled down to experiences. So for me, even when I was a kid, the experiences mattered the most. Like, I'm the happiest if you give me something to experience, something new to do, something mm. new to learn. Mm. Uh, and that excitement that, you know, everybody gets when they do something new, learn something new. And I wanted to share that with the world. I wanted the world to have access to experiences at the tip of their fingertips. Nice. And that has been my through line. That is something that I figured. So now for me, everything that I do, anything that I do has to fit into that bit. Nice. So when Booker Workshop started, mm. It started with the idea to help people connect to the best in the industry so they can learn something new, they can get probably some inspiration, they can have some kind of an experience, some kind of an epiphany, some mm. kind of something that mm. they take back and use in their life. Mm. But now it's become much more than that and I feel that it's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the evolution of the uh, whole idea or mm. the whole, you know, the, the vibe of it or the gist of it. So I think at this point of time, Booker Workshop is this one space which facilitates experiences. Could be life-changing, could be like one little moment in your life, but it's got its place in the person's life. It's got its place where it switches something in you. It helps you create a new memory. It helps you experience something you, which you wouldn't otherwise, mm, you know, mm, would be able to. Mm. Gives you access to all of that. So that is where bookshop, book, Booker Workshop is right now. That is pretty cool. And so I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. What is uh, I, any of the new technologies which are coming in? For example, ChatGTP mm. or Midjourney. A lot of new things coming in. Right. Are you leveraging any of them at Booker Workshop? Are you, is any of your teammates playing around with it? Is that something that you all are worried about? 
Like I remember when I introduced uh, uh, ChatGPT to my team, a couple of my teammates were like, one sec, this does what I do. <laughs> right? Uh, and, and at Equinox, we play with a lot of softwares. When right. I say lot, meaning almost one a day. Like we test wow. out almost one, one new software a day, which is ridiculous. Like if, if, if you see our credit card <laughs> statement, it looks hilarious. People will not know we're a laboratory, they'll think we're a tech company. <laughs> and we're testing out all the other tech products or where review companies testing out tech products. Like, like if you see our credit card statement. What I realized was, and what I told my team also was, boss, none of these technologies want to replace you. Correct. But if you learn how to leverage this, mm. you will become better. You will become a superhuman. You will be able to deliver at a higher level than you are today. Correct. So let it be chat GTP, let it be mid journey, runway ML, a bunch of new softwares that have come out. Like right now, even the normal software, your canvas, your notions, have AI elements built into it. Correct. Have you seen any of this impacting your business in a good way, bad way, any, any way? Actually in a huge way. So okay. um, a couple of things which were like super redundant things that, mm. you know, we're just like, yeah, it's so this is like, like for example, something as simple as, um, now we are a company that churns out products like crazy, mm. right? Like just within, from Jan of this year, Hmm. to March now, hmm. we're launching about 25 new products, hmm. right? Now, this requires a lot of work. Hmm. Everything from research about the product hmm. to writing about the product hmm. to creating like scripts to creating everything. So, ChatGPT has been very, very, very essential to that whole project. Nice. So, instead of hiring like two new interns to do that and then monitor their work, figure out what they're doing, it just completely, it helped us be a much leaner team, hmm. right? Uh, and my team completely understands that. The other thing that we have made sure that the team understands is that humans are never going to be replaceable. But your effort, right, uh, the amount of effort that you're putting into doing something, mm. right, is going to be replaced. That is what we're trying. We're trying to make your life easier. Mm. So everybody at Booker Workshop knows that. That if a new software comes in, mm. if anything new comes in, it is to make life easy mm. and nothing else. Mm. We're not trying to replace humans here because human is the biggest element. We sell to humans. We are for humans. Everyone for us is humans. But uh, we are working on something very, very interesting. Uh, this might take at least like a few years for mm. us to build into mm. the system because uh, DIY kits as a whole is still very niche and people are still getting used to the video element. So, I mean, the QR code, forget anything else. <laughs> Scanning the QR code and it opening on your phone, that's still like very new. So, um, we're still like in that phase. But I think two years down the line, what we'd like to do especially for uh, the skill-based, a lot of our skill-based kits is imagine we give like a mini, um, like a VR set, mm. right? And let's say I'm cutting, chopping. Like today, I don't know anything about cutting and chopping. But what if I could get a VR set, which has, along with all the material, like a chopping board and stuff, I put on the VR set and it shows me exactly the angle at which I need to cut a certain thing and it gives me all the pointers right there. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. insane. So, so uh, in this, touching the whole VR world and the new age world, what do you think of uh, NFT? Yeah. So the whole NFT craze, I think, came and I think it's gone. I don't think it's as big anymore. But right. do you see anything happening in that space? Can you book a workshop to make an NFT? I don't know. Um, I mean, there are cool things to integrate with. But uh, right now, I mean, we're not really looking at that space at all. A very, very dear friend, friend of mine, I mean, he's done some crazy work in that space. He sold some seven, eight pieces and uh, that's the next guy I want you to meet. By nice. <laughs> so that's the dot you're going to connect me to. Yeah. But uh, I think currently we have bigger challenges to look at. So for us, again, because of our space being so niche, but so relevant mm. at the same time mm. to everybody, uh, you know, like how the first, the first world problems are much different from the third world mm. problems, mm. right? So currently with the DIY space, we're in the third world problems where we're trying to educate people about what the hell is a DIY kit. How is it going to help you? What are you going to do with mm. it? Right. And uh, then maybe at a later point of time where our market has matured enough to understand that basic clear. Hai. So we are at a point of time where imagine uh, 100 years ago when toothpaste did not exist. Mm. Right. What is a toothpaste? What do I do with it? So we are at that space right now. So not 100 years, but let's say five years down the line where people know what a DIY mm. kit mm. is mm. just by reading the word DIY. I think at that point in time, we'll be able to focus on things like these and integrate it. So earlier you mentioned something which was quite interesting for me, which is like, hey, you know, schools and there are so many other spaces which are empty after three o'clock, four o'clock, five o'clock. 
have you thought of going deeper in that using book a workshop concept that hey a school can book a workshop sell it to its kids or whatever whatever the model is but using those spaces using the talent pool that they already have or the right. audience that they already have right is that something you've explored i, I don't know why i keep thinking that I did. there is something there there was a big idea in my head before hmm. i started book a workshop hmm. this is actually something i've never spoken about to anyone um so what i wanted to do is actually create a network hmm. just like vizafra i was thinking kitne schools in india mein what if we could create like this whole hub you know just like zomato you put in your location and it tracks you down to the nearest school and uh, it shows you like a list of all the things that are going on in the school we create these we either tie up with national brands you know like fortados or something where they can set up these smaller places in all the schools mm. or they we can like have these locals come on board we can assign those things but um, ashwin what happens is when there are and this i see with the schools also uh, because again i was born into a school i've seen every problem there is with running a school it is too human driven mm. and with humans comes a lot of errors mm. so um, and these are kids we are talking about right again with now if you see the world i'm detracting a little bit but um i've been saying this for 5 years and uh, the new york public school tried it out 3 years ago and it was a big success and this is facilitation based learning uh-huh. right where see education can't be standardized because of humans what you're learning can't be standardized because of humans today if i feel amazing i will deliver a lecture like no other tomorrow i don't feel like it i had a fight with danish i'll be like हाँ ठीक है दीज आर दू थ्री थिंग यू नीड टू डू जस्ट गेट डन विद गो होम राइट अगेन सो मच ह्यूमन ड्रिवन एफर्ट करेक्ट सो फेसिलिटेशन बेस्ड लर्निंग चेंजेस दैट वेयर देर इज अ वीडियो यू सी द वीडियो यू लर्न फ्रॉम द वीडियो वे यू गेट द बेस्ट ऑफ द नॉलेज एंड देर इज एन एक्सपर्ट और देर इज अ फेसिलिटेटर हु हेल्प्स यू अंडरस्टैंड इम्प्लीमेंट डू थिंग्स विथ इट स्प्लिट यू ऑल इन टू टीम्स ग्रुप्स ऑल ऑफ दोज थिंग्स सो वेन आई फर्स्ट थॉट अबाउट दैट आई वॉज लाइक नहीं यार ये Every time there's going to be quality control issues. There's going to be human mm-hmm. errors. There's mm-hmm. going to be. Today I'm a bimaru. I'm not able to do scheduling issues. This, that, safety issues, mm-hmm. right? With kids, especially with kids, safety issues, right? So hundred other things to look at. So one of the models that I've been experimenting with with uh, Booker Workshop um, is setting up a. Imagine a library, mm-hmm. right? You walk into a library. Instead of books, you have all these DIY kits lined up. you pick up a diy kit you sit on the table right there you open it scan the qr code start learning and doing and there are facilitators all around you have a question ask them they'll help you out they'll sit with you they'll have a chat with you and they'll like you know help you do whatever you'd like to love it and imagine you sitting in bihar or like some god forsaken town i can still get this done within within let's say 10 days all you need is a rack and a table that's it and an internet connection that is it Exactly. And with Jio, thanks to Jio and all of the other companies, I mean, seven hundred million people in India today have access to the mm-hmm. internet. So, this empowers people. This so makes it why simple. aren't you doubling down on this? Because this is a huge opportunity. Yeah. One issue that I see with this opportunity possibly is uh, cash. Yeah. Or reach. <laughs> One is reach. Correct. Two is possibly also affordability. Like if there's a kid at a thousand rupees, a kid in Bihar may not be able to afford it. Correct. Along with that, also a lot of cost will go in packaging it and so on and so forth. So if you do like a stripped down version of the package, which is not designed to be shipped across. Correct. It's a bigger box and you take out a small little thing. Correct. Your cost can be shaved off there. But I think cost would become obviously one of the deterrents at tier two, tier three, maybe even in tier ones. Yep. Uh, but I'm seeing this take. off for a very simple reason is today kids want to learn two parents want to give their kids the best yeah. the best that they can afford 20 30 40 years ago i don't think that was the mentality ki let's spend everything on our kids education and our kids experiences and learning that was in the mindset today i'm seeing that becoming a mindset like from the whole pet owner to a pet parent thing even in our case i think from like parents to I don't want to call it obsessive parents, but like you know, like a, a lot more focused on kids' journey rather than just survival. Correct. Right. Focusing on their growth. Because they see that as an investment now. Correct. Earlier they did not. Correct. And I think maybe back in the day people had a little lesser. This wasn't the most critical thing. There were a lot more kids. Yeah. I think because of birth control, number of kids are now lesser. Because that, I'm just thinking, if I had like eight children instead of two, 
obviously the life I could provide for them, the education, everything would be very different. Public school, go, son. You go there, go to public school. My point is, there is going to be a very, very large shift in the way education happens. And there is a large movement already saying, hey, standardized things are not going to work because different people have different skills, exactly. uh, uh, things that they want to learn, their likes, everything is different. Yeah. While maybe 60-70% can be standardized and maybe up to a point should be standardized. I think 20-30% should be, if I want to learn how to make a cement coaster, while if you want to learn sushi making, and my kit costs 200 rupees and yours costs 1000, but you can afford the 1000. You can, you should do that while I may make a cement coaster. So I'm still being able to do something I enjoy, okay. while you are able to do something you enjoy. US, the reason I think most people go for the higher education to US when they can afford it is that flexibility. Yeah. Like for example, I did my computer science from there. But while right. doing computer science, I did archery. Right. I did psychology. Right. I took a couple of classes on literature. Wow. I was exploring to see what I like. Okay. I could have majored in psychology. I could have switched majors. Yeah. So there's so many, that flexibility is what makes it appealing so that you can customize that whole experience for yourself. Yeah. While I don't think it's there in India yet completely, I'm hearing a lot of buzz on, so I'm, I'm not looking at my kids that are too young for looking at college at the moment, or higher, higher education in India. However, uh, the flexibility is I'm hearing coming in. Correct. Right. So I'm seeing this as a very, very large opportunity. I think you need to kind of, so while the normal thing is going on, like looking yeah. at the educational institution piece and double clicking on that, I think you'll have a very large opportunity. So imagine, so the whole idea of Booker Workshop, mm. right? The, the basis of what Booker Workshop stands for and how it is categorizing. Now, how did we even come up with these 100 kids, right? Mm. Like what made us think mm. about these? Mm. Is the, so we figured out three things. When I was, when I started Booker Workshop in the six months, I actually interviewed 100 people. I called them up. Ev like every second day, I would like call someone up and like have a chat. 10 minute quick call. But random people from random places just scanned my entire notebook. And three things that I learned out of these 100 people, again, very small size, but... Uh, uh, my personal research project was one is people have multiple interests, mm. which was not the case 20 years ago, mm. right? Because of the because of the advent of the internet, literally today you today you might be interested in sushi because you have information about it. I've been exposed to it. Correct. You know about kombuchas, hence you are enjoying a kombucha today. If I tell you Ashwin, I have a kit that helps you make your own kombucha at home, you might even think about trying it. Correct. So people have multiple interests, mm. a minimum of two and a maximum of eight. Wow. Is something maximum that I've found. of eight. Yeah. Okay, that's I don't have eight. Okay. <laughs> okay yeah. that's, so this is something I've found. I mean, this is and this is just a hundred people ka set. I could be like completely yeah. off the number here, that's but a good, that's this, a good representation. Yeah, this is this is what I found. Uh, so minimum two, maximum eight interests. These could be varied or similar. The other thing that I found is that people don't like to learn. Everybody has a different learning style. Mm. Right now. According to some theory that my mother was explaining to me, there are some five different styles of learning, right? Some people, like for example, you could be a person who loves to listen and then learn better. Mm. Uh, someone else could be a person who reads and understands better. Mm. Somebody could be audiovisual like me. I, I need audiovisual to understand. Some could be a conversation-based learning, you know. Again, I love to have a conversation and I will learn better. Mm. I can't only read or only watch a video or something like that. So when we started structuring Booker Workshop out, it was supposed to be a platform which helped learning in every format. Mm. So you could learn on the basis of your interest. And when you clicked on the, so let's say you come to book a workshop. It asks you, what is your interest? You say wine. Mm. You get into wine. There are five formats of learning. Mm. One is a live workshop mm. where you have a conversation with the expert or, you know, with other mm. people and stuff. Second is a workshop on demand, which is basically your recorded workshop, Netflix style. Third is you can have uh, access to these events that are happening around meetups where you go, you have a conversation with people, understand wine, go to a vineyard, do like a whole vineyard tour, nice. blogs, then audio podcasts, is that everything. So you explore various formats of learning. Now, out of all of this, we figured that DIY kits as one of the learning formats was one of the most powerful formats. Mm. Simply because one is, just think about when you start, when you want to learn something new. You see something and you get interested by mm. it. The second thing you think about is, Mm. And then you're like, iska kya saman lagega? who should I go to to ask for advice on how to do this entire thing? And then after all of this, even if you figured all of this, you're like, okay, I'll find a weekend to do this. I'll have to go to the store. I'll have to figure out who sells all these things. Da -da -da -da. 
all of this is taken care of in one box that's the power of that one box because as soon as you hit you know buy now from that point on everything is delivered to your doorstep with a video by an expert who's teaching you everything you need to know about it and you can create multiple things with it so that's the power of one box and how it all got down to literally doing DIY. So what I liked about uh, Booker Workshop is three things. The first one, uh, I can explore multiple interests quickly. Two, I don't have to worry about portioning things like, for example, sushi making. Right. right? Uh, if I go outside and buy, I have to buy the full bag of sushi, full bag of everything. See, we bought everything. I have to buy the full bag of everything. And I may not end up using all of it. Half of it may go waste. In Booker Workshop, it would be, the portions would be as per what I need. Exactly. It could be colors, it could be mugs, it could be coasters, whatever it is. And I think the third is if I'm learning from an expert yeah. on video, rather than some random person on YouTube teaching me something random, well, learning from an expert in the field, I think that is fantastic. And all of this, by the way, in the ease of my house, without being my house. So I think that's something yep. that is beautiful. I, I, I told you about the whole dog printing, yeah. dog or paw printing thing. That's something I wanted to uh, get for my cousin who has a dog who we love. Who's, we treat him, treat him like our dog only. And so I wanted to get that for him. Now, if I had to go figure this out outside, it would take me a hell of a lot of time. Go, go find the cement thing, find the color thing. How do you do it? But if all of this is available in a box, Correct. that is fantastic. So I think you've definitely stumbled upon something that is extremely uh, uh, scalable. Yep. Uh, it's solving a problem. But today, all this being said, what is your biggest challenge that you're facing? Is it discovery? I think my biggest challenge today is, is discovery. Yeah, I agree with you. Because once somebody finds... They're hooked. They're hooked, right? Once they come in, they may not buy every day. Correct. It's not supposed to be bought every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be nice, but a little weird. Right? But the innovation that you're bringing in, right? So I, let's say I, I've seen your thing grow from like 10, 15 kits to 101 kits. Yeah. Uh, when it was 15 kits, okay, I bought one kit, two kits that interested me. But then after that, okay, the other ones didn't. But then every week, two weeks, you're launching something new. Right. Uh, your ability to collaborate with brands is enviable. Like, Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm going to be taking, I want you to actually conduct a masterclass on how do you do collabs. I want to be student number one <laughs> and learn. No, because it's, it's a skill that today I have not mastered. I'm not in close to it. Like, how do you collaborate with brands to create, uh, you know, social events around it, to create awareness around it. I've been able to do it possibly with governments, yeah. but definitely not with as many brands on the social side. So that's something right. I definitely want to learn from you. Uh, my last question for you for the day is, if not book a workshop, what would you have done? That's a tough um, one, no? Not really. No? I already have a... <laughs> you already have a backup plan? I already do. Okay. I actually wanted to start this center for animals. Uh, there nice. is this existing center called Rescue, R-E-S-Q, mm -hmm. in um, Pune. Uh, and what they do is just fabulous work. So they actually, uh, they get these, all these injured animals. These are not street dogs or cats. Hmm. These are actually uh, like crocodiles and elephants. and Crocodiles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So a friend okay. of mine actually works there or used to work there. And he used to go and rescue these animals for the government. And they, they had this huge uh, habilitation, rehabilitation center there where they would keep these animals. They would treat them. They would have doctors on board who would take care of them, who would nurture them back to health and then release them back into the wild. Uh, wow. Like there was a whole story that I was following that they were doing about this elephant, mm. right? Very, very old elephant. Again, because of uh, the use, you know, he was used as one of those uh, uh, tourist attraction things because of which his legs got severely injured. And uh, I think he was like seven years or eight years old and the army got involved. They created like this whole crazy engineering thing <coughs> where they could pick up the elephant right so that he could be treated well oh, wow. and uh, we i went through that whole story and that is something that i would have created if if not for book a workshop that's like, pretty cool yeah like had this sent have had these centers across the world in places with love it. animal density to help them out literally love it i'm always glad when people have a backup career or backup option because also touching upon your passion. So, for yeah. example, my uh, so somebody asked me this guy, if not Equinox Labs, then what would you have done? Or no, I'm like, I would have had a tech company, 100%. Because that's because for me, 
tech uh, softwares, reviewing, the, looking at it, it's not work at all. It's fun. Right. I would do it at 2 o'clock at night. I do it on Sundays also. Because it's not work for me, I love doing it. I love creating it. Today, many a times if you uh, come to our office or anytime you come to our office, you will see new softwares being tested, which are being made in-house. Once we, we have a, the marketing and the innovation team will keep testing new softwares from outside. Right. But we build a lot of our own softwares in-house and we love doing it. We made a lot of mistakes. We want a <laughs> ton of money. But we're loving that experience because now we're able to create things which are highly customized to mm -hmm. the way we operate. That has allowed us to scale. Lovely. Because if you go from one facility to two, two to six, and now hopefully by the end of the year, we'll be international and so on and so forth. Right? Uh, it's going to be that that's going to allow us to scale very easily. So that has been my Brilliant. backup dream. But I've, I've also kind of sort of integrated that in my current working, which has been uh, like a that. bit of a productivity hack or just a happiness hack. Because if you do the work you do, and if you're passionate about the work you do, you're going to be happy. And if you're happy, you're going to deliver above par. And if you deliver above par, you are a little bit more successful than you were. So aligning your passion and profession becomes, I think, a, a you know hack of secrets. I mean, a hack of being successful. Right? I agree. 100%. Neri, uh, thank you so much uh, for being on this. Year. And uh, you, you so are the original connecting the dots. <laughs> I'm the dot. You are the dot. <laughs> and uh, uh, and I, I love the concept so much. So it was actually two things. One, you. Two, I heard a talk by Kunal Shah, which ah, was right. about, uh, you know, if you want to be successful, yeah. you need to connect dots. But yeah. before you connect dots, you need to collect dots. So uh, when we were discussing the name of the show, you're thinking of collecting the dots. I like that. But then connecting just sounded a little better. But <laughs> it, for me personally, yeah. more than connecting, it's collecting the dots. Because every person I meet in the show or offline, yeah. I look at it something new to learn from. Like for example, from you, uh, the ability to connect people almost in every interaction to somebody which would help them. Right? It's been, I mean, that's that's a big takeaway for me. And it's it's... Many people, or I know you also say, oh, but that's a normal thing, it's okay. It's actually not 99.99% of the world can't do that naturally and on every occasion. So I think that is something which is very, very commendable. And uh, even my uh, next guest coming up after this is somebody that you connected me to, right? Uh, I'm not going to reveal the name just yet, but the next uh, connecting the dots is actually going to be somebody she connected me to, who's a fantastic networker as well, like you. And, uh, but I think that ability is something that most leaders, founders need to have. Couple of reasons. One, that's a good way to give back to the community, but it's also two, to grow your own tribe, Correct. right? So I, I think that specific ability is some one reason that you're going to be super, super, super successful. Thank and you. I wish you the very best and I want to see Booker Workshop and everything new that you do, <laughs> you know, becoming success because I know you have it in you. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for doing this, Ash. Yes. Thank you. Thanks a lot.